You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, Thursdays have become pretty wild uh, times for Packer fans. Uh, One way or another, things tend to get out of control. And um, today, at least for me, the it's funny because I almost wish I could do this in the future and then like play this for like the Tuesday audience so they could be like, what the heck happened? But you guys know what happened, so it doesn't make it as interesting. But today, the belief that the Packers can win the Super Bowl is at an all-time high. And I saw, I think it was Andy Herman on Twitter said something that I, I can't really under explain the phenomenon, but it was something to the effect of somehow we got... David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, Billy Turner, Josh Myers, Randall Cobb, all these guys are supposedly coming back, and we've been kind of ho-hum about it. And we get breaking news. Whitney Merciless not only potentially can come back, but was already removed from IR and is practicing right now. Not like, hey, he might come back and then we'll see in a week, or hey, he was activated off of IR, but we got to see. How. He's he's practicing. Like, oh, by the way, he's at practice right now. But for some reason, that was apparently the straw that broke the camel's back, and Packer fans around the world rejoice. And somehow it dawned, and I, I can't explain the phenomenon either, but I can tell you right now, I feel the exact same thing. It is just, it's one of those things that I look at and go, oh, everybody's doomed. They're all doomed. They, they don't stand a chance. Now, if we kind of think it through, I, I, again, I'm trying to figure. David Bakhtiari, very exciting, but the offensive line has been pretty good. Maybe that has something to do with it. Randall Cobb, yeah. Billy Turner, again, it's the whole offensive line thing. Plus, he's not David Bakhtiari. Josh Myers, we don't even know if he's going to be playing going forward. I don't know if he even won the job. Jair is obviously exciting, but for some reason in my mind, it's like, well, there might be some rust, and I don't know if he's going to be at his best, and plus the corners have been really good, and, you know, he might be playing in the slot, which I don't know about, you know, we'll see, but it's it's cool, man, it all kind of adds up, compounds, et cetera, et cetera, by the way, it's Adarius Smith coming back, but there's just something about, I think it's the, like, if it was just Whitney Merciless, I don't know if it would be nearly this exciting, but something about the addition of Zadarius and Whitney Merciless, when you look at four high-quality pass rushers, not even including Kenny Clark, I'm just talking about off the edge. Because remember, we're, we are going to be rotating heavily. You say, well, you only use two at a time. That's true. What we've been doing is Preston and Rashawn, and then those two guys come off, and you got either Garvin or Galea or whoever it was at the time at that point in the season. Those types of guys would rotate in. Hamilton, I don't know. Right now, and, and this is just setting aside the part where sometimes you'll see, for example, Rashawn Gary or especially Zadarius Smith playing on the interior of the defensive line. I'm just talking about, let's just say we keep it basic and our edge guys stay off the edge. We have a situation right now where we're going to put our best two guys out there. Let's say it's Zadarius and Rashawn. That's our number one 
primary, go-to, dominant group. When they come off for a break, we have Preston Smith and Whitney Merciless. Now, some people might look at that and go, eh, I don't know about all that. That's not that great. It's an upgrade, but it's not that great. Here's the thing. Maybe you don't remember this. Maybe you're new to the program. Maybe you still don't necessarily believe it or think it was a fluke because you didn't play that long. I don't really know. But if you remember back when we picked up Whitney Merciless, my first thought was he's not a very good football player, right? He's got a great name, all this kind of stuff. But um, he just he hasn't been good in a long time. Then I did a little additional sleuthing. And what I found is a little separate stat column for pro football focus. For example, you'll have the pass rush, the win rate, all that kind of stuff. Um, But then on the separate column, you'll have what are called true pass sets for the offensive line or for pass rushers. And basically what that does is it just strips out all of the kind of nonsense. In other words, we're only going to look at those situations where you're basically one-on-one. If you're double teamed as a pass rusher, that doesn't really count. If it's a um, a rollout type of deal, if it's a QB scramble, whatever, right? It's just kind of these weird things where it's like he didn't really have a chance. If the, even the the if the ball comes out too quickly, if the ball comes out in 1.98 seconds or something, they don't count that. They're trying to clean it out and say, if you just play one-on-one in a normal passing situation, how often do you win? And he skyrockets. And so when you, when you compare the two between the, just the raw data and the true pass sets, what you'll find is everybody should move pretty normally, but the ones that kind of skew, in other words, they go up higher in true pass sets or down lower, can tell you a couple things. In other words, if your true pass sets are worse, because you might be thinking, well, it should always be better, not necessarily. If you primarily get most of your wins based on scheme and you can't really win one-on-one, you're going to drop in those rankings. On the other hand, if you're basically, let's just say you're on a really terrible team that doesn't have any pass rushers or defensive line talent whatsoever, and we can roll a little extra help your way because you're the only quality pass rusher on the team, so you're getting a lot of double team, your overall numbers are going to be down. But when we look at the true pass sets and you're one-on-one and you're winning a lot, you go way up. And so I did that. I looked at, at him as well as every other player on our current team And Whitney Merciless goes up way more than anybody else. He jumps from like dead last to almost first on the list. And so what I had said prior to him even taking a snap is I think he's going to be a really, it might even been before we picked him up. I don't really remember. But it was one of those things where I wanted to just get some information so I could write him off because I've been saying he's not very good for a while. So I just wanted to stiffen up that data a little bit. And turns out I found a little nugget. And so I ended up changing my position. And I said, I think if he comes here, with guys like Kenny Clark, Darius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, et cetera, et cetera, depending on, again, who was healthy at the time. Probably not Darius. That's why we got him, in fact. But still, nobody's going to be keying in on Whitney Merciless. And lo and behold, he did produce at a much higher level. For example, if we kind of run through this, he's been with the Houston Texans since forever. If we, he, he had like three really good years where he graded out quite well, 2015, 16, and 17. After that, uh, 2018, statistically, he did fine. 2019, 57 pressures on 668 attempts. Now remember, this is, you know, J.J. Watts injured all the time. He's gone a lot. I mean, the the Houston Texans defense was good for quite a while, and it started to decline pretty rapidly. And so again, Whitney Merciless goes from playing with a bunch of really good players to playing with almost nobody. But 2019 was the first really bad year, even though he had nine sacks, which looks great. 8.5% pressure rate. That's not very good. The next year, He plays significantly less. I don't know if it's injury or what, but he grades out absolutely horrifically. He has 20 pressures 
on 331 attempts. Again, five sacks, so it, the numbers seem inflated. And I'm sure, you know, as as fans or whatever, you see that and you say he's still a really good pass rusher, not realizing that from a pressure standpoint, he is declining rapidly. And that should be sending off all kinds of, of, of alarm bells. But he's now at in 2020 at 6%. 6% is really bad. But you know what's even worse? 2021, Whitney Merciless with the Houston Texans through the first six weeks had five pressures on 110 attempts. He was at 4.5%. He is, he is on the path to completely bottoming out. When he came to Green Bay, he had 80 pass rush attempts compared to 110 in um, with Houston. So he played six games with Houston, 110 attempts, five pressures. He comes here four games, 80 attempts, which is 30 less, 10 pressures. He did only have the one sack, but 10 pressures. That's 12.5%. To put that into context... If we go back many, many years, think about Mike Daniels and um, Kenny Clark when those guys were saddled up next to each other. That was a great duo. I always loved those guys as pass rushers. I always thought they did a good job. They were hovering in the 12 to 13% range. That is a really solid range. 12% is basically what Kenny Clark gets just about every year. Now, that's important for several reasons. Number one, it gives you some context on how good 12.5% is for Whitney Merciless. And he's going to be coming in as our number four edge rusher at 12.5%. Now, I don't know what Zadarius is at or what he's going to be able to produce, but let's let's just say he has a, a kind of a bad, a bad run and he's only at 10%. Seems unlikely, but whatever. That's still a solid number. Do you know what Preston Smith is at right now, who is our number two? I don't know why I never really looked at it, but it shouldn't really surprise us all that much. He has an 80.8 overall grade, which is by far his best season ever. His highest grade ever, which was a complete anomaly, was the year prior to coming to Green Bay. He had his first big breakout year, so 64, 63, 63, and then 76. And we're like, whoa, this guy's pretty good. We signed him. He gets a 66, and then last year a 55. He has an 80.8 right now. Almost all of that has come since week 10. He has just been absolutely on fire. Whatever it is, just completely clicked in his brain, and he's got it down pat. But we talked about Preston Smith. When I went through the highest-graded pass rushers in the entire PFF era, Rashawn Zadarius in 2019 is number one. Rashawn Gary this year is number two. Number two in the entire PFF era, which goes back to 2006. But I think Preston was like number four or five. He's at 14%, 62 pressures, 442 attempts, nine sacks. That's an unbelievable season. That's a, that is an incredible. In, I mean, the, these are not like peak, but like average Khalil Mack type numbers. In fact, the last time Khalil Mack had numbers this good was his first year in Chicago. 73 pressures, 505 attempts, 14.4% pressure rate. He's been a good pass rusher for at least the next two years. But outside of 2018, Khalil Mack, he has never touched these. He, Preston Smith, as far as his pressure rate is concerned, is basically 2018 Khalil Mack. Statistically speaking, now that doesn't include his, his ability to stop the run. His sack numbers aren't quite as high, although it's 9 compared to 13. It's not that earth-shatteringly different. And actually, if we look at it as, as far as a percentage in terms of, uh, instead of just raw numbers because he had more attempts... Khalil Mack, 2.5%. Preston, 2.0%. Again, not that shockingly different. To put that in context, he would have a little over 10 sacks if he had as many uh, pressure opportunities as Khalil Mack had. I mean, I, again, I'm just I'm just trying to explain how, how amazing this really is. 
and how rare and, and, and unbelievable this really is. I mean, if we go in order, basically, I, I don't even know how far back we'd have to go, but the best, let's just call it the PFF era. I mean, you could probably butt it up back to Reggie White if you wanted to. I don't know who would possibly be better. Post-Reggie White, I bet you would say, if you're just looking at pressure rate, in other words, when you're trying to get to the quarterback, we're just talking about pass rush opportunities. When you're trying to get to the quarterback, how often do you get to the quarterback? Number one is 2019, Zadarius Smith. Number two, 2021, Khalil Mack. Uh, Khalil Mack, I'm staring at his name and picture right now. 2021, Rashawn Gary. I don't think Preston is very far behind if he's not just number three right now, because 14% is really high. And we have all three. We're talking three of potentially the best pass rushers we've had on this team in decades. And, I, you know, I understand I'm talking about this version of Preston Smith and this version of Rashawn Gary. And I don't even know what version of Zadarius we're going to get. So I'm kind of conflating a couple different things. But it's really incredible. And then again, if, if you have a guy with 12.5% pressure rate, you've got a good pass rusher. In fact, that's, that's literally Khalil Mack's pressure rate this year. And if he, you know, some people think he's completely washed. He's not completely washed. But fine, how about Miles Garrett? Take a wild guess what his pressure rate is. Take a guess. He has 18 sacks, so that's why Miles Garrett gets the amount of love that he, and, and deserved, right? I mean, he, he's got some serious closing speed. If he beats his guy, he's got a better chance of getting to the quarterback. I get all that. And sacks are more important than just pressures in general. I get that. But pressures are very, very important. What is his pressure rate? How often does he get to the quarterback when he's trying to? 14.3%. Preston Smith is maybe, maybe our number two pass rusher, and he's playing about as well as Miles Garrett is. Again, that doesn't necessarily include run defense and all those kinds of things, but just, again, if we're just asking the one simple question, on a passing down, your job is to affect the quarterback. The odds of you doing that are as good as Miles Garrett's odds. That really, really says something. And again, he is our number two, maybe our number three pass rusher. Demarcus Lawrence, 13.9%. Nick Bosa, 14.3%. So understand, if you're in the... 10% is a baseline, right? I've always said that. that in my mind, 10%, if you're below that, you're not very good. 10% is that's fine. 11%, you're kind of getting into the good category. 12-ish percent, solid. 13%, that's pretty good. You get 14 and above, you're kind of in the elite territory. Now, if you get up into the 15, 16, 17, you're kind of in the, you know, either you are Aaron Donald or you're just, you're, you are an elite player having an elite year. Most people don't stay at 17%, right? Zadarius Smith, he got to 17% once. By the way, Aaron Donald is not, even he doesn't, he's at 13% right now. He's got 15 sacks, but he's at 13%. So that's just sort of the ridiculous, you can't be stopped once in a career kind of a situation when you're at 17%, which is what Rashawn Gary is doing. So we have uber elite, freakish, once in a career. This guy should have all the attention, all the accolades, although nobody's paying attention. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect the stat sheet whatsoever. Rashawn Gary, one of the best pass rushers in football, having a once-in-a-career type season. That's who our number one is. Zadarius Smith, I don't know what he's going to give us. And I've been avoiding saying it because a lot of people are going to get mad about it. But I know the implication most people... He'll be at 15, 16, no problem, because he's, he's just elite. Well, maybe. I'm not, I'm not doubting the guy. But he was in like the 8% range last year. Now, granted, Preston Smith was terrible last year. 
Rashawn Gary wasn't quite in this kind of a groove. Kenny Clark was quite bad last year. I would be willing to bet Zadarius Smith was basically double teamed on every single play. But still, I, I, I don't know where, where he's going to end up. But all that to say, when you look at the situation as it currently is, this team at full strength, at full power, I don't know what you do to stop. I mean, just that. Let's forget about Eric Stokes and Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander. Let's just forget about that. Let's just forget about Kenny Clark. Let's forget about Dean Lowry having his be- probably the best year of his entire career. Let's forget about that. Let's forget about the fact that we have a linebacker for the first time since, I don't know, when I was in high school. Let's, let's just forget about all that. What in the world do you do when there is this relentless of a pass rush? What do you do? I guess you're going to have to run the ball a lot, but obviously that's going to present some issues when you make yourself one-dimensional. At some point, you're going to have to drop back and throw. And to have the ability to have basically four rested top-tier edge rushers because they're being rotated regularly. And just just think about that. We, we get Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith a little over half the game, right? Call it, call it 60%. And then they're just gone. And maybe the other guys can, can kind of pop in and do something. We're basically going to have that the entire game, nonstop, relentless. And again, we're not even talking about the corners, the linebackers. And Adrian Amos, I know Savage isn't having the greatest year ever, but Amos is having a good year. He's back on track. He has been. He's got a 76 overall grade. I'll work with that. And, and, and that's just the defense, right? That's not even talking about how the offense has really been dragging the defense. It was the defense in the beginning of the season, and then the defense started to falter a little bit, which I'm, I, you know, hard to imagine that the injuries didn't have something to do with that. But now you got Aaron Rodgers... And Devontae Adams playing at as good of a level as we've ever seen. And you can say, well, he's not as good as he was last year. Maybe if you're talking about the entire the entire season, sure. But if you asked me which Aaron Rodgers going into the playoffs was hotter, not from a attractiveness standpoint, I just mean from a playing standpoint, 2020 Aaron Rodgers and 2021 Aaron Rodgers, who came into the playoffs looking more unstoppable. And, it, and when you pair with that, Devontae, like I've said, I've never seen, very rarely, and, I, and nothing is coming to mind, a player who has been this good for so long. Everybody has down games. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has this, that. These two guys have been nonstop, nonstop, every week, all game, relentless. By the way, that doesn't include the number one running back in the NFL. You know who that is? It's A.J. Dillon. It's A.J. Dillon. The guy that was mocked and ridiculed by everybody because the Packers picked him because it was so stupid and it was so unnecessary. And I get it. We have Aaron Jones. So what? I just got a message on Twitter. Uh, I got a lot of messages on Twitter. I'd love to get to all of them. Eventually we will. But I'm just I'm just kind of going off the top here because I'm, I'm super excited and I'm fired up. And I'm trying not to acknowledge the fact that this is exactly how I felt going into the last playoffs. But there are different dimensions and I want to go over that. I got a message from Carson here. Got it. 20 minutes ago. Do you think this is Rodgers' best chance he's had to win the Super Bowl? When I read that sentence, my first thought was, no, that's stupid. And then I thought, well, I don't know about stupid, but it's 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 hard to quantify it, and I don't want to use that brain power. But here's the thing. I continued reading. With the number one seed, we've had that before, but not always, health, that is important, and we're getting healthier, team talent, eh, 2020, we had some talent, 2019, we had some pretty good talent, 
And then you've also got 2011 and 2014 and a few other years in there, 2009, which I still never even talked about that yet. He goes on to say, coach, okay, good call. He says, both offense and defense playing well at times, which the at times kind of throws it, but we'll disregard that. That is a crucial point. 2011, for example, dominant offense, not so much with the defense. Then he adds this, power run game with Dylan. That is something we haven't really had before. We had it last year, but we didn't really use it. He finishes, I can't remember, a year with more going for the team at the start of the playoffs. You know, I, I said last year 2020 was, was it, man. And I, I don't know that 2020 wasn't a better team. I don't know for sure. But if you look at the components that made that great, what did we have? What, what, what did I say a thousand times? Number one quarterback, we still have that. Number one wide receiver, we still have that. Number one left tackle, we lost that last year, we just got it back this year. Number one corner, we had that last year, we have that this year, same guy. What else was a selling point? We had the number one center, we don't have that anymore. That stinks, but the offensive line is not a detriment, so that it, we did not go backwards. And look, I, I said last year this is the number one team in football, and I believed it. And, and the only thing that was going to stop them was themselves getting in their own way, and I do think that that's what happened. And there's no reason to believe that that can't happen again. But if we look at the two side by side, 2020 offense for the season was better. The point differential, for example, in other words, uh, how badly you beat the other teams. With one additional game, well, let's just look at points four. We scored 450 points this year in 17 games. We scored 509 in 16 last year. But point differential, 79 points over 17 games. That's how much more we beat other teams by. Last year, it was 140, almost double that. But there's still one thing that's different here, and that is better in 2021, and that is the defense, believe it or not. We allowed over 23 points per game in 2020. We're allowing less than 22 this year. And again, we're getting one of the best pass rush units this team has probably ever seen, even if it's not the best players, although, again, Rashawn is up there with the Hall of Fame of pass rushers for the Green Bay Packers based on his production this year. But you look at the unit overall with him and Preston and Whitney Merciless and Zadarius Smith, and again, Kenny Clark, and again, Dean Lowry, who's having, again, the best year he's had, arguably. In fact, the most pressures he's ever had in his entire career, um, and he's had many seasons with a lot more snaps than he's had right now, 29 pressures. The most sacks, same year, four sacks. So 29 pressures, four sacks. So far this year, 42 pressures and six sacks. That's what Dean has done, just flying way under the radar. By the way, by the way, Dean Lowry... There's another guy we haven't even talked. This is shame on me. I'm. You know what? We're gonna take a break because I, I need some time here. I'm. I'm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um. Once again, if you want to head over to Twitter, if you wouldn't mind supporting Drew, he's trying to get his uh, seizure service dog to help. He was diagnosed with epilepsy. We're trying to get him that dog a dog. Thank you very much to Bryce Talent for jumping in. Uh, really greatly appreciated. Um. We are at $3,100 right now for Drew to be able to get that. Uh, he messaged me today. There might be some exciting new things that are coming up, so hopefully uh, I'll have an update on that. But uh, otherwise, why don't we go ahead, we'll take a little break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So again, I've talked about a lot of different guys. I've talked about Rashawn Gary. Um, I mean, just going down the line, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, talking about guys that have really picked up steam as the season has come along. Josiah DeGuara, to a smaller degree, is starting to pick up steam as the season has gone along. Rashawn Gary, right? Preston Smith in a major way the last several weeks. Adrian Amos got off to a slow start, getting a little bit better. Kenny Clark, the last four weeks, has been on fire. He had a real bad stretch for four weeks, weeks 9, 10, 11, and 12. Since then, he's been doing great the last four weeks. You know who I haven't talked about? Just like I haven't told you about Preston and his stats and all that stuff. Again, shame on me. We haven't talked about Mr. Dean Lowry. Let me read you his grades through week 12. 52, 65, 44, 62, 66, 63, 72, 66, 65, 55, 52, and 30. For reference, 60 is average. And so he had one game at 72 against Washington, and that's it. Since week 14 against Chicago, here are his grades. Remember, 72 was his highest previously. 84, 69, 72, 70, uh, basically 80, 72. His worst game in the last five weeks is almost on par with his best game through the first 12. I don't know what is going on with this defense, and I completely understand everybody's looking at it going, the defense has been struggling lately, the defense isn't doing good enough lately, the defense, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. These guys are doing something. I don't know what's going on as far as allowing big plays. I think that's probably a big part of it. It's not that they're playing bad, it's just they play well, play well, play well, there goes a 50-yard pass, right? Guys are not where they need to be you know, mental lapses, whatever the case may be. I don't really know. But I'm looking at guys that are really starting to figure it out. Not only not only grade-wise, but statistically for Dean Lowry. Through week 12, Dean Lowry had 25 pressures. He's sitting at 42 right now. His best games that he had uh, pressure-wise, back-to-back games, weeks five and six, he had four pressures, one sack, four pressures, one sack. Since week 14, his pressures have been 5-0-5-4-3. In fact, if we look at the last five weeks, if we look since week 14, Dean Lowry is the fourth best defensive tackle in football. Aaron Donald, number one. Minnesota's Michael Pierce is number two. 
Tampa Bay's Raheem Nunez Rochez is number three. And that's an outlier because he had a 93 overall grade in week 18. After that, Dean freaking Lowry. He's tied for the eighth most pressures. You know who he's tied with, by the way? Kenny Clark. They're both tied for eighth with 17 pressures. Dean Lowry with two sacks. By the way, outside of Aaron Donald, that's about on par because Aaron Donald has six in that stretch. After that is four, then obviously three and two. In the last five weeks, Dean Lowry is the fourth highest graded defensive tackle. Kenny Clark is ninth. Two top 10 defensive tackles. In that same stretch, I'm not going to play with the weeks. Let's just do the last five weeks. Switching over to edge rusher, Rashawn Gary, number two. Preston Smith, number 11. Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, basically all top 10. Preston's sitting at 11. By the way, in the... (laughs) Oh, I got some chills going, ladies and gentlemen. Do you want to know where they rank in terms of pressures? Rashawn Gary, number one in the NFL with 31. Preston Smith, number two with 26. After that, you have Nick Bosa with 25. In the last five weeks, Preston, Rashawn, Dean, Kenny. I'm calling them top 10. I'm sorry. They're top 10. What if we use those same five weeks and we switch it over to linebacker? Devondre Campbell, number eight overall. Again, top 10. He's 27th against the run, second highest uh, tackling grade, eighth overall in coverage. By the way, Chris Barnes, 25th in coverage. So he's not even that bad in that position. What if we switch over to corner? Again, five weeks. I can find a better stretch for each individual guy, but let's just keep it at five weeks, man. Let's just let Dean dictate to the rest of the defense. Dean is our standard now. Five weeks. What about corner? They're not top 10, I'll give you that. Oh, that stinks. Where do they rank? Eric Stokes, 15th best corner in football. Razul Douglas, 16th best corner in football. Do you understand how good that is? Do you know how many years we went to the playoffs with cornerbacks that rank in the hundreds, where our best cornerback is ranked like 102nd overall, and that's what we went into the playoffs with? Eric Stokes, our rookie cornerback, is 15th. Razul Douglas, number one in interceptions in that stretch. Shannon Sullivan tied for third with two picks. Razul Douglas with the seventh lowest passer rating when targeted at 35.8. Razul and Eric Stokes are tied at re- with reception percentage at 13th at 50%. Where do our safeties rank? Don't worry about it. Listen. if you're not happy yet I can't help you but how about this let's just stick with the five weeks and go on offense let's just let's just we're having a party here okay you find a team that's better we're having a party number two quarterback in football is Aaron Rodgers Joe Burrow's got him beat by just a hair and again if I switch the weeks I can put Aaron Rodgers ahead I'm I'm pretty sure but uh you know who's not there Tom Brady better than Josh Allen better than Patrick Mahomes, better than Ryan Tannehill, better than Kyler Murray, better than Matthew Stafford, better than Dak Prescott, better than Jalen Hurts and Jimmy Garoppolo. Number one wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Now, highest receiving grade, Cooper Cup. Number one receiver, Devontae Adams. Actually, it's a, it's, it's actually a tie. It's 91.3. They're, they're perfectly tied. You know who else is in the top 10? Alan Lazard in the last five weeks is the ninth highest... <sighs> 
I'm going to have a freaking meltdown right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose it. I'm not going to sleep tonight. This is stupid. You know how stupid this is? This is so stupid. Ninth highest graded receiver in football in the last five weeks, Alan Lazard is. What are we doing here? What 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 can we play football? I I can't just sit here. We got to do something. What are we going to do about this? We have to do something. We have to tell the world. Who are we going to tell about this? I'm going to go upstairs and tell my kids. I'm going to tell them to turn off the movie. Listen to me. Listen to me. Turn off the movie. I got to talk to you. This is serious. They start confessing all this stuff. I'm sorry. I, uh, shush. I don't care. I don't want to know about the broken lamp. Just hide it better. Throw it in the garbage when I'm not looking. I'm trying to talk to you about Alan Lazard. This is ridiculous. I, di- I didn't even plan this. I did not even plan this. I was just like, hey, let's check out Dean. Let's give Dean some props. Five weeks, right? Just check it out. Hey, what, what's everybody else doing the last five weeks? Oh, everybody is awesome. What is this? What does this even mean? Number one and number nine. <laughs> you know what's kind of hilarious? Number one and number two in touchdowns, Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Number one is Devontae with six. Number two is Alan Lazard with five. He's actually tied with a few people, but they're number one and number two in touchdowns. Devontae is fourth in yards. Devontae's sixth in yards per route run. Alan Lazard with a uh, 85.7% contested catch rate, which of, of anybody with more than three contested t- catch attempts, he has the highest of anybody. There's a couple people with 100%, but you know half of them have one target. Uh, Alan Lazard has seven. He caught six of them. Passer rating when targeted, Devontae Adams is 10th. Alan Lazard is 8th. Devontae with a 141.4. Alan Lazard, 147.3. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Somebody tell me what to do. I can't just sit here. I, what, I have a great day and then I go to bed and I go to sleep and I wake up and I go to work? Ah. Oh, come what? This is a dream. I'm going to wake up in a minute and be like, ah, I remember I did the podcast and it sucked. What is, oh. all right, hold on. This doesn't make sense. I switched over to tight end. I need a minute. I need to, I, should I take a break? I don't, I can't, all right, we'll, we'll do tight end. Again, I, this was completely random. Mercedes Lewis, you guys know him, right? Pretty good at stuff. I got, are my settings wrong? Has he even, I don't even remember. I don't understand. Second highest graded tight end in football, Mercedes Lewis. Mark Andrews, then Mercedes Lewis, then Dallas Goddard, Tyler Higbee, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. That's the order. Well, it's just because of his blocking. He has an 89.2 receiving grade. He's, his receiving grade is third. I don't know what I don't know what's going on. All right, let's move over to running back. Yes, A.J. Dillon is the number one running back in football for the season. He's not in this five-week span, but guess who's moved up quite a bit higher? If you look at for the full season, Aaron Jones is actually down quite a bit. And it's sad because it's like, dude, I like Aaron Jones. He's so good. In the last five weeks... A.J. Dillon is the eighth best running back in all of football. Aaron Jones is the third best running back in all of football. So we got another two guys in the top ten. So good, great. 
At the very least, I'm pretty confident there's no offensive lineman, right? Dennis Kelly, 35th, Yash Nyman, 44th. Now, granted, that doesn't matter because we're getting two new tackles. So it's going to be Billy Turner and David Bakhtiari. So very possible we have a top 10 tackle, at least one of them, uh, coming soon. At guard, John Runyon, 23rd, Royce Newman, 30th, and that's it. Again, I don't really expect any of them to be uh, playing all that much. And at center, Lucas Patrick, 21st. Okay, so the offensive line, not so much, although, again, we're getting some guys back. Literally three-fifths of our offensive line back. But um, that is not exactly what I expected. And again, we're, we're, that's, that's just what we are now without getting Jair and Zadarius and Whitney Merciless back and Randall Cobb back and, and David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner back. That's just what we have been the last five weeks, not what we're going to be getting healthier, getting more rest, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I, again, it just comes down to don't mess this up. Don't mess it up, because what I'm looking at is a team that you lay all this out there, and it's like, how do you lose? How do you lose? I I promise you, if I go to every other team, I'm not doing the same. Oh, look, we're top 10 in every category with the exception of safety and offensive line. Two top 10 wide receivers, two top 10 running back, top two quarterback, top two tight end, top 10 defensive line, like all of them. Top 15 corners, not including Jair. So, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I think we're going to scrap everything else I wanted to talk about today. Carson, thank you for your question. I, I, I would be shocked if we, uh, I see, I, 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 maybe I shouldn't be so definitive. I, I don't know. Um, but this is a freaking fantastic team. And, and, and again, it's not just based on, you know, if you look at, point differential. If you look at certain things, they're not as good as we've had in the past. Certain things, depending on how you look at it and and when you look at it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not just the quality of the players. It's like you said, it's offense and defense. It's health. It's the play style. It's the more physical, violent, we can run you into the ground. If you want to play low and slow, excuse me, my barbecue on the brain, but we're going to call it low and slow. If you want to ground and pound, if you want to run the ball, you want to play smash mouth football, we got a linebacker now, and we got a running back that can absolutely go tit for tat with you. You want to play smash into the defensive line and who can stand up longer? Let's play that game. You want to air it out? Fine. You go up against our corners and our pass rushers, and on the other side, you you try to stop Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and our running backs in the passing game. Oh, and, and Mercedes Lewis and Josiah Aguirre, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of like MMA, you know? It's not just a matter of good fighter. It's a matter of what kind of a player you are, what kind of a fighter you are. I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about here, but if you're the best stand-up fighter in all of the MMA, and you go up against another stand-up fighter, you're probably going to smoke him because you're better at it than he is. But maybe you're not so good on the ground, and you go up against a guy that is a jiu-jitsu guy or a wrestler, Chael Sonnen or whatever. You might struggle a little bit because you're going to try to get up on your feet, and he's not going to let you get up. The point is, the Packers have a well-rounded skill set. You want to stand up and throw blows? You want to go quarterback to quarterback, and we're just going to throw haymakers at each other? Let's play that game. You want to get on the ground? You want to get close and personal? You want to get physical? We can play that game. We can take it to the ground. 
We can play in the trenches. We can live in the trenches. You want to play trench warfare, let's play trench warfare. Whatever you want to do. And I think that is a critical element to when you ask the question, who has a better shot? Because as I've been saying for several days, for a week, however long now, it's not just about being good, it's about longevity. And part of longevity is you're playing lots of different teams, lots of very good teams, but also lots of different types of teams. And if you are, as the Packers have been for decades, a very finesse team, you can go blow for blow with teams like the New Orleans Saints. At least historically, the New Orleans Saints, maybe not so much modern New Orleans Saints, but the, the teams that just want to go down, the, even the Chiefs, Chief, you want to go up against the Chiefs, we can take on the Chiefs. But teams like Tampa Bay, teams like San Francisco, those are the teams that'll give you a hard time. But we've been building a culture of being more tough, more physical, more violent, bigger, stronger, more physical. Linebacker, we finally got a linebacker that works. What does he do well? When he gets his paws on you, you're going down. He can cover, he can go sideline to sideline, maybe not the fastest guy in the world, but he's going to wrap you up and he's going to bring you down. Our edge rushers are 265, 270 pounds. They're big dudes. We don't have tiny little guys that are speed, you know, speed bend guys. In fact, the way we we rush the passer is we compress the pocket with, with four bull rushes. We just squeeze you like a freaking python, like an anaconda. And yeah, on offense, we got Aaron Rodgers and we like to dance and we like to throw it and do, do all these fancy little plays and get it out to Devontae, who's got the fancy footwork. But we also got Alan Lazard and we'll throw a pass out to Devontae and have Alan Lazard, who's basically a tight end, just take your cornerback and bury his face into the dirt. We'll line up A.J. Dillon out wide and let him be a lead blocker. We got Mercedes Lewis on the field, a throwback tight end that nobody wants. But you know who does want guys like tight, like, like Mercedes Lewis at tight end? The Green Bay Packers do. Because if there's one team in the NFL that still believes in rough, violent, dirty football, take it easy. It's the Green Bay Packers. They're committed to it. Nobody else is committed to it. They might, they might preach it. But who else is going out and getting Mercedes Lewis? Who else wants these guys? Who else is going out and getting 250-pound running backs? The Packers got laughed at for bringing in Mercedes Lewis. They got laughed at for bringing in A.J. Dillon. And now it has become a core feature of this football team. And if you just look at this entire season, that's what we've seen. It's finding ways to win. It's not, it's not winning pretty. It's finding ways to win football games. Because when they bring out their certain flavor, we got to take some time to adjust. It's kind of like the Hulk. He's got to get himself angry. We got to morph. Oh, they're going, they're going, you know, a little bit, little bit over here. Let's, let's follow them over there. But the point is, can you do it? Can you travel with them? Or is it just, we're going to, this is the one way we play and we got to see what we can do to try to beat them. The Packers have the ability to say, this is what they're doing. We're going to put an end to it right here. They turn it up and they get it done. Anyways, that was a heck of a fun exercise, huh? I do have to get going though. Uh, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.